The following is a GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street production. discovered your link to GoPowerCat.com's PowerCat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor, and it starts right now. Now, let's go to the WTC gig-powered studios. Here's your host, GoPowerCat.com publisher, Tim Fitzgerald. Welcome to Lavender Day. And the PowerCat Questions podcast. A little bit early this week because Wednesday, our normal day, is signing day. So we will have not one, but two recruiting podcasts for you on Wednesday. A morning one that might actually be a one this evening on Tuesday with Ryan Wallace. And then a more comprehensive one later in the day. That will wrap up the signing class for Coach Chris Kleiman and company. But we're going to start off this week's podcast with basketball because we live dangerously. Tim Fitzgerald, Riley Gates, Zach Carlson in the WTC Gig Powered Studios. We're sponsored by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. It's a little bit cold outside. Makes you want to get maybe a hot toddy. You ever had a hot toddy? A little no. bit cold outside? It was 12. And a, Probably it was 8 degrees when I went to the gym. Yeah, it's, it's cold. It's supposed to get above 30 today. So we will have that beautiful Kansas winter in which it snows, beautiful snow, which it did on Sunday. And then it warms up, and then it refreezes, and then it warms up, and then it refreezes. And within 48 hours or so, it looks like bleh. And it's slippery. I was just telling Zach, I've got like ice, like ice that gets up into the wheel wells, you know? Yeah. And with how low my car, like a chunk of ice has broken off on my right back wheel or in the wheel well. And with how low my car kind of sits, it's stuck in there. I can't pull it out and it won't fall out. So it's just clunking around every time I drive anywhere. Well, that's lovely. It's so You annoying. ever try to kick one of those out and about broke your toe because it was so. This morning, that piece. Yeah. Tried to do it. <laughs> Nope, I'm frozen here, and I'm not going. Get into the fridge. Hey, by the way, uh, I was looking at some uh, a distillery in Memphis, and they have a, a thing called the Memphis Toddy. What was that distillery called? I can't remember. What Old that? Dominic? Old Dominic Distillery in Memphis. They have the Memphis Toddy. It is a whiskey with citrus and other flavors mixed into it, and it's their 19th century formula that they resurrected it sounds like something you'd drink it does whiskey fruit everything stuff i think it sounds interesting i don't think they have it at the fridge wholesale liquor but i sure as heck will ask if i enjoy it when i'm in memphis because i will try that while i'm in memphis we'll get to the liberty bowl and those type of questions of course we won't really handle recruiting in this podcast because i just told you you're gonna get two and plus, without Ryan Wallace, we're just kind of chirping monkeys. Do monkeys chirp? They do on this show. Um, I don't think monkeys change their personality just on this show. They don't chirp. Okay. Um, this segment sponsored by Tanners. Get into Tanners. Go say hi to everyone. Under new assistant management. And new assistant manager. Came over from the, the dynasty across the street. Oh, so it is new. Yeah. Okay, I thought you were referring to, like, the personnel change they had, like, two months ago. No, I mean, <laughs> Charlie's the GM, but he needed assistant general manager. And someone Understood. came in from across the uh, the Taco and Burger, Burger dynasty oh. that lives across the street. I thought it was a different dynasty. Sad. Oh, got it. I, I had to think. <laughs> wow. Get into Tanner's. Go to the fridge. Here are your questions from Wild Bass Station. From GCKSU Rules, is it panic time for men's basketball or just what it is? Or is it just what it is? No, well, it's not panic time. No. I think that depends on how you came into the season. Uh, exactly. Did That's you, funny. That's funny. That's well put, sir. Did you come into the season thinking that this team would contend in the Big 12 and be a top half team? Or did you come in knowing that they lost three of the three of the best two of the best players in school history one very terrific senior to add along with them and would probably struggle knowing that they would need to rely on new faces did you come in with that expectation because then don't panic i mean they they lost a group of three seniors that as a group maybe 
right up there with the top threesome in K-State basketball history. The Rodney trio, the Rodney Senior Trio is the winningness, but the Dean Wade Senior Trio was far more meaningful. Yep. Hot so, take. Uh, I don't think that's a hot take. That's not a hot take. That was like stats. No, because meaningful is not a stat. That's it is an opinion. That's it's to me. Oh, okay. Um, yeah, I mean, I came into the season very guarded. I, I knew some of you were being way too optimistic. Now, the problems, it's not like oh, I knew this was coming. Well, I couldn't have identified these problems. I never expected so many issues with the upperclassmen and the freshmen to look maybe a little bit better than I thought. I didn't thought, think that's how it was going to go. I thought they'd have so many problems on defense that um, it would take them a while to get going. It's not been that. It's been they're pretty good on defense. They can't score points, which is kind of a big deal in basketball I guess you could so say. I'm told yeah so yeah I mean if you were predisposed to believe that this program was rolling and was gonna not go through a reload and and would be you know the eight nine seed and many of you thought they would be in the NCAA tournament then yeah brother sister panic because they're not going to get there. They're, they're probably not going to get to the tournament unless they have a drastic change in personality and performance. They're not going to get to the postseason unless they have a notable change in personality and performance. They won't be above 500 is what I'm saying unless something changes. So, yeah, depending on where you started, at this point you might want to panic. And, you know, if you're in – Another position, you might say, well, this might not even be as good as I thought, but certainly it doesn't shock me. That's where I'm at. From Purple Powerhouse, given how badly the season has gone so far and the instant gratification mentality of some of today's youth, should we be nervous about any of these talented freshmen transferring out? No. I don't think so. I, I'd, I'd be shocked. I think by midseason they're going to have a lot more ownership of this program than your typical freshman. Well, I think that's a lot of has to do with it. I think Antonio being in the starting lineup shows that he has trust. I think that Dejuan earning more minutes shows kind of that he has a future on that. I don't, I don't think any of these guys have a have that mindset of because, and I'm sure they told him on the recruiting trail too. Like, I just want you to know it's going to be maybe a little bit rough from the start. We're losing a bunch of guys right when you get there. So they didn't come into this season, you know, thinking, oh, we're going to win the Big 12 championship. I mean, yes, as a player, they thought positive about the team, but they were probably also realistic knowing that losing Dean, Barry, and Cam, it was going to be a little bit rough from the start. I don't really foresee them just bailing because they lost some games in their in their first year. From StatCat, Will Bruce wake up and pursue a junior college or a grad transfer guy that can defend in the low post and not be a negative on the block on offense? That's what he said. He said he wants a guy kind of, well, <laughs> it's not good the way that he's phrased it now, but he said he wants a guy kind of like Mac. Yeesh. Hmm. But, I mean, they're going to go at another guy in the in the 20 class, I think. I don't know who it's going to be. I don't know. I don't think he's going to be a high schooler. I I don't think if you land a high. I think if you land a high schooler in Mar- late March, early April, I think you're kind of scraping the barrel. You know, they've we've seen them attack the the grad transfer market every year for the last three or four, and really haven't hit it out of the park at all. Kind of swung and missed on every single one. They didn't really attack it though. They. I mean, two they three guys the, every class. They hopped into the pool, but they didn't really swim with anyone. You know, they they talked about this guy, but then they never brought him in or that guy. And I don't think they got that serious about it. I think they have real concerns about bringing someone in for one season that can figure out the defense. Yeah. I think they do. So you got to go maybe go get a Jugo guy that played one like Mac. Well, I think think the only way to do it is to go get a grad transfer that is intelligent enough to do what you need. But I don't think they want to do that. I think we found out from Austin Trice, who was supposedly the best big man available, that JUCO guys aren't always your solution anymore. There's not that many good ones out there like there used to be. So they've kind of got themselves in a pickle. They really have. I feel like maybe you don't. I mean, is it that? 
is it that ne- ne- necessity? Jeez, necessary to go get that guy. Is is a junior college guy that has to learn the system going to be any better than putting a Davian Bradford out there or a sophomore Antonio Gordon? Like, is is it going to be that much different? Well, I this is just my theory: is <clears throat> they're looking for someone to accompany Bradford in the post, and the other two will be. I think they're looking at Montavious Murphy as a three eventually. Hmm. Because he's not six nine. No. To be honest. No. He's six seven. So I think in in future world they might have him swing in between three and four, much like Xavier does. And then um Gordon can swing between four and five. But interesting. They need it I this kind of tells me <clears throat> excuse me, if they're look if they're if they're actively looking and talking about it, that Shad and or Love are both gone. One or the both are gone. It's just a reality. I mean, they're not getting anything from them. Man, would you be shocked to see somebody? I'm not. I'm trying to start a rumor. Would you be shocked to see anybody leave here in the next two weeks? No, I would. Because if you're Nigel Shad, you've stepped on the. You haven't stepped on the floor this year. You stepped on the floor once last year, or like very minimal. I mean. It just seems like an ideal time to do it, especially if you've graduated or, you know, you can finish up your degree, go play somewhere else. It's the time. This finals week. Wouldn't be shocked. Uh, it's just, what would Casey's social media do? Because he's in every friggin' photo on social media. <laughs> he's on the bench cheering. <laughs> Some, someone, I mean, like when they go on, like they were walking around New York. There's Nigel. Yeah. You know, hot dog, there's Nigel. Prudential or someone associated with the game put out four photos that K-State retweeted. Nigel was in all four. <laughs> Maybe he should go model because he apparently is photogenic. Yeah, they. <clears throat> I think they want a Band-Aid to get them through to the next wave of recruiting. And, you know, they they just got to do better, man. And taking a late, another high school late pickup gets you in the same boat. You're going to get someone like you've been getting. I think this is a new person from Dr. J54. Welcome. Discuss David Sloan. What is his upside? A lot. Next question. <laughs> yeah. Um, he's, he's the a, best passer on the team by far. Well, let's start with this. He is the only true point guard from a mentality standpoint. Yes. He's grown up playing it. He knows how to play it. Uh, you know, it's it, in football, you can put your best athlete at quarterback and get by. In basketball, you better have the mentality of a point guard. Just get being an athlete isn't going to get you by, and I think Cartier Jada is proving that. He can play the point guard. He certainly can fill that role, but it's like a commander, and you've got to have that in your DNA as a player. You may not be vocal, as we discussed on the Insiders podcast earlier this week, but he's kind of got those natural leadership things, and he's always looking to set up his teammates. That doesn't mean he doesn't look for a shot, because he does. That's what I like about him. He's not just a, I'm out here to pass, or I'm looking for my shot. He's looking to improve the offense, whether it's him passing or him shooting. I like him. He's had problems on defense that they're correcting, um, but won't be a big earner in terms of stats, maybe assists, but he will make those around him better. And sometimes in this world of let's go get athletes, 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 we forget about the guys that do one thing really well, take it off the plate for everyone else, and make everyone else better. I mean, I still contend Dean Wade's biggest thing wasn't the fact that he could shoot the ball. He was a passer. He was a great passer. We talk about losing his stats. Well, being a great passer isn't reflected in assists always. I mean, it might be the pass, you know, the hockey assist where it's the pass that led to the pass. I think David's just a glue guy that can make the guys around him better. The plus minus is supposed to reflect that, but that thing's just turned out to be worthless. Plus minus cider ant. It's so it's the dumbest stat there. It is. never makes I, I I don't think they're doing it right. I, something's wrong. It just doesn't make sense sometimes when you look at it. Guys, Mike McGurl was four of seven from the floor. He was three of five from three point land. He had fourteen points. He had three rebounds. 
and he had a plus minus of negative six. So they were giving up a lot of points when he was on the floor. Just because somebody's on the floor when the team is doing good or bad does not mean that that player is good or bad. McCall Maywean has a plus minus in that game of plus three, and he was by far the worst player on the floor of any team that day. And and I could tell they weren't playing well when he was on the floor. It it's I it, it is mind numbing to me that people and it's some people that are in our field. Rely on plus minus as if it is is the indicator that a player is good or bad. It is the most meaningless stat in the world. If I was out there against Alabama State, I would have a plus minus of twenty, and I could have one o of one from the floor. I guess maybe what that number reflects is that when they when he was on the floor, the defense against those Mississippi State bigs was awesome. You know, we do kind of neglect defense in this whole looking at the quality of players, but. Bruce doesn't. Bruce thinks that's the most important thing in the world. I want more David Sloan. Give it to me. From Adam K 63 how long will it take for Bruce to finally hand the keys to the freshman to take over? I, I want to say that it's coming. I want it to be that, but I don't. We, we kind of said it, like, like Fitz had said on the Insiders, too. When have you known Bruce Weber to quit on somebody? Exactly. When have you, like... Realistically, and this isn't a dig at him, this is more complimenting him than anything, does Bruce Weber strike you as a guy that's going to look at McCall Maywean and say, thanks for your contributions for the last two and a half years, but it's clear that we're not going to get it done this year. So you'll play some, but we're just going to go ahead and ride the freshman at this point. No, he's not that person. He doesn't think that that they deserve that. I think he thinks he can. that people like McCall have, have earned the right to be on the floor. With what they've done now, not, he's not playing well, but he's not going to go away from him. Um, I think it would serve him better. Now, right now, you don't have Montavious Murphy, and frankly, we're verging into the time frame where I think it might be worth considering a redshirt for Montavious Murphy. I don't think that's the craziest thing in the world. If it gets to be that, if it gets to be January and he still hasn't played, well, I'd agree with that. What's the point? They're talking about him. Maybe in Kansas City or if you don't yeah. have him by Big 12 play. But even if he can, let's say he can go on Saturday and Bruce puts him out there for six minutes because he doesn't want to push him. And then he puts him out there for eight minutes against uh, the Tulsa. Na- Tulsa. Is that is that any different than him not playing for two more games and then redshirting? It is because then you'd have to go through that process in the Big 12. I, no, I'm I saying- know what you're saying, but by... Redshirting him, you would create two things. First of all, um, he doesn't develop his game senses, and he, you dump him into the same class as what is right now four other freshmen, and then you got five in that class, and then you've got real class balance issues on down the road. So I get to what you're saying. In a normal year, I would say that. This year, I would say now you got to play him unless he's really. This is problematic and lingering. If it gets a Big Twelve play, they need to consider it. But to answer the go back to answer the question, they're not gonna go all in on the freshmen. Frankly, the freshmen are bound to hit that wall at some point soon. We're gonna see a point where Antonio Gordon is just bad for three, four games in a row. Maybe that won't happen to Montavious. Maybe not. Maybe he'll be able to play through that and the wall will come. That's just not what this is not what this coach is about. And no, that's kind of where you're at. He's going to be extremely loyal. Bruce Weber is a loyal, loyal guy. You see him higher within his circle of dudes that he trusts. You see him stick to peep with players to a fault, and that's exactly what he did with Marcus Foster. And and in terms of K State basketball, it was the wrong thing to do. In terms of Marcus Foster, it was the right thing to do, and he might have saved that young man's. Life, I'll just say it. I mean, he was on. I don't think fans appreciate what road he was on, or you know, we haven't really talked about it because it's. I feel like it's personal, and if Marcus wants to talk about his demons in the future, that's fine. But you can see now that he's in a little bit better place. That uh, how much he appreciated Bruce's uh, loyalty, and I think he may not admit this, but I think he should have stayed at K State and taken Kansas State's offers for help, but. So be it. Bruce is loyal. He's not going to give up on guys. He's going to ride or die uh, with these 
upperclassman. He's going to ride or die with these freshmen. Um, but he's not going to put the freshmen into the fire. If you're Bruce, you're feeling like, I don't want to throw them into the fire and get them burned. I want to kind of ease them into this so they're of great value on down the road. From KNED, last year's basketball team sucked it up pretty good to this point in the season, plus another month. Only adjustment was dealing with expectations, not new rule or not new roles and new players and freshman starters, etc. I'm not expecting a title turnaround, but what what level of turnaround is possible? Competent. Competent. Yeah. I mean, I, I don't, I don't feel like at this point it's turn. I think the phrase turnaround comes into play if they start zero and three in Big Twelve play or something like that. You know, this. I mean. Well, if they could end up six and six in non-conference, I, yeah, yeah, that's fair. I didn't expect them to be six and four, but I didn't expect them to be ten and zero at this point. If they're eight and four in the non-conference, turnaround for me is eight and ten in Big Twelve. Yeah, because you know, I mean, now you're looking at a team that is sixteen and fourteen going into Kansas City or Alabama. You know, seventeen and fourteen, sixteen and fifteen. Always forget about that stupid freaking game out of conference in the middle of the Big 12 season. I think we're looking at a team that eight and ten or nine and nine is very very good. Let's start with this. Let's not worry about the Big 12 season right now. Let's worry about this Saturday in Kansas City with Tulsa and the following Sunday no, with St. Louis. St. Louis and the following Sunday with Tulsa. Why do I get those it's two on teams? A Sunday. It's a Sunday. I think. Yeah. And we'll be gone. We'll be gone. We'll be gone. That's what I thought. Michael Goins on the rewind two weeks in a row. What a guy. What a guy. But, yeah, let's worry about that. Because those aren't easy games. They're not easy games. They're very losable games for how this team's been playing. and uh, But they're also comparable to UNLV. So uh, I'd like to point out that without the freshmen at UNLV, they probably lose. They've made the big plays down the stretch that they needed. And that's why if you can get Murphy back, I think you'll see a rise in the performance. I don't think he's, you know, he's kind of lost all the momentum he had from the start of the season. So we'll see where he's at. But just having the other athletic body will help if he's still athletic with that knee ankle. I love it when they say lower body. Yeah. What does that mean? I mean, does he does he have a rump injury? He's got a, <laughs> he's got a sore right bum cheek? I don't know. Just tell us. It's not football where they're going to go out there and try to take out his knees. Montavious is going to be a nice addition to bring back, but he's not the savior that some people are paying him out to be. No. He's They're they're not 10-0 if Montavious Murphy's healthy right now. Montavious in his junior season might be the savior, but Montavious yeah. in a freshman season in his first semester he improves the team, but he, he's not going to add a spark plug that ignites the engine. I don't think. I would just encourage people to not expect to be over 500 in Big 12 play, and then you're not going to. I mean, you're, not, you're you're setting yourself up for failure if you're looking for 10 and 8 or 11 and 7. The reality of this program right now is this. Okay. Bruce Weber reloads every three or four years. We've now seen this cycle repeat itself, and they build up to a really good program. So by that maturation process, in three or four years, this will be a tremendous K-State program. But it is what it is right now. It is a rebuilding year. I personally don't think this far into a program you should be rebuilding every few years, but here we are. This is exactly what it is. So just let it play out. Appreciate the little things. Appreciate tremendous effort. Appreciate that defense they play. Appreciate improvement by the younger players that will be the foundation of that next wave of success. Appreciate it for what it is. Don't tolerate lackadaisical behavior. Don't tolerate bad attitudes. Don't tolerate, you know, just not playing to win and just kind of going through the motions. Don't tolerate those things, but do appreciate when they're getting better, when they're really putting effort out like they did against Marquette, when the freshmen are showing promising signs. That's where we're at with Kansas State basketball. From StatCat, if I set the over-under for the number of league games we will win in basketball this year at four and a half, which side are you taking and why? 
Ooh. Ooh. That's... I, th I think I want to say over, but that's because four and a half is a small number. Yeah, their bad season was over. <laughs> They're five they, and they had five and thirteen that year, and I've seen I've seen flashes out of this team at times. Hell, even Saturday I wasn't disappointed with their performance. I just they fell apart down the stretch, kind of didn't score, but I didn't think that they were pitiful on Saturday. I think this is a team that can jump up and beat a Baylor or someone, and then get roundhouse kicked in the face by Oklahoma State. I mean, they're going to be up and down all year. So I'll take the over, but I'll I'll emphasize that I'm saying barely over, like six, maybe seven. I think that's a fair bar set. I'll take the over. I, I refuse to believe they're going to have four or fewer wins in the Big 12. That's tough to do. Bruce is too good of a coach. Bruce is too good of a X's and O's guy. You know, I've stated my problems with Bruce are in the locker room and kind of putting together the mentality of a team, not putting together the X's and O's. They're slow to develop on offense. Bruce always does it the opposite way that you would think. I mean, just look down the road at Kansas. Typically, this time of year, Bill Self is bitching about his team's defense while they score 100 points. <laughs> because offense to those players comes so easily, he needs to take offense first so he can just beat people with points and then come back and add the defense in by the postseason. Bruce Weber has to do it the other way. He can't recruit enough offense, so he worries about defense first and then offense second. You can't, in the limited number of practices, you can't put it all in. You can't get them refined in every element, including, including apparently, free free throw shooting. I'm having problems speaking. T -t -t today, Junior. Today, today. So, uh, yeah, I mean, this is just what he does. Defense first, and it's been really good. It's been pretty damn solid. It surprised me. Offense will come, they will get better, and they will win some games in the Big 12. But as I just said, let's get through these next two. Let's see where they're at. Six and six and eight and four are a world away from each other. For reference, Oklahoma State played essentially with six scholarship players last year. They won five Big 12 games. Yeah. They'll be all right. When, when you're struggling to win games, people will tend to overlook you and count you as a victory, and then you have one of those days and you beat them. That happens. A couple football questions to round out the first half from Purple Powerhouse. What letter grade would you give each position group for the regular season? Offensive line. B minus. B minus C plus was the line I was yep. going on. Uh, quarterback. B? Mm-hmm. I'm with you. Running back. I'll give them a B-plus at running back because they far surpassed my expectations. Fair enough. You're doing a good job. Keep rolling. All right. I'm not going to do a fullback that doesn't. Fullback tight end? Okay, fullback tight end. Since Nick Lenners is apparently all Big 12 fullback? <sighs> Whatever. Whatever. Uh, I'll go with C-plus. Maybe B minus. I wasn't that impressed with them. Yeah, I'm with you. It's hard to grade that, actually. Yeah. Wide receiver. Can I give Dalton Schoen an A and everybody else a B minus? I would say as a group for what they are, B plus. In the big picture of things, they're probably a C group. Yeah. But for what K-State does and what K-State needs, I think they I'll, – I'll say a B on that. It's fair. Defensive tackles, I'll give them an A minus. Yep. Defensive ends, I want to give one guy an A plus and one guy a C. So what did that average out to a B minus? That cowball has been good too. Okay, yeah, that's fair. So I would say A minus on that group. Yeah, I would. I feel like Reggie's performance pulls it down past an A. Well, I, I think Wyatt pulls, pulls it, it up quite a ways. It's very tough. Extra credit. <laughs> He got a 25 out of 20. Well, Wyatt uh, moved into the area where people were having a scheme around him. Yeah. That means you're pretty damn good. Linebackers. B plus. I think they've been better than what I thought they'd be. I'm really proud of Daquan and Elijah. I think they've really developed as players. I'll take that. I was having trouble coming up with something. Corners, I'm giving them an A minus. Been pretty remarkable. If not, a, if not an A. Damn, they were good. 
Safeties, I'm giving it a C. Maybe C minus. Uh, I'll stick with C. I think they do some things well that we don't really notice. That's they true. have been good in zone coverage. I saw far more plays where I went, my God, than where I went, my God. Because I think a lot of things they do well are subtle. They're not giving up plays over the top. So they're making some good decisions. But using your arms to tackle would be a pleasant change of pace for one player in particular. Kicker gets an A. Punter gets an A. Or punter gets an A+. Plus. Uh, I go A minus. He's B plus A minus. He, he had a three game stretch there, two game stretch yeah, there. Where he struggled. I'm, I'm not worried about one bad punt here and there at this level, but um, I can't give him an A plus. It was at least one a game for three games in a row. I think it was, it was a pretty rough stretch yeah. there. I, I can't give him an A plus. KCA won some games without him being so good and flipping the field a couple times. They probably would not have won. I can give him an A minus. I'll give him an A. Fair. He wasn't an A plus. B plus is way too harsh. Because he should have been first team all Big Twelve. Coaching. It's tough. I'm gonna say, Overall. I'm gonna say uh A, and here's why. I, I just moved in my mind from B plus to A minus to A. Think about the parts they inherited to fit the system they were trying to run. The only place they really struggled to do what they want to do is the offensive line. Yeah. They created a running back situation out of dust. They took a cornerback situation that we had been told for years was just horrible and made it pretty darn good. All right, that's fair. Yeah, I was I was probably putting too much emphasis in the offensive line struggles than anything. I was disappointed by Connor Riley. I'm not disappointed. I'm. I'll be disappointed. Connor Riley win if the next one doesn't. The next one doesn't. Even though that's a rebuilt group, I truly, in my heart, believe that this was a good offensive line being asked to do things that they weren't physically equipped to do because they were recruited for another type of scheme, blocking scheme. While they might look the same, how they get to do what they do is a little bit different. And. They're going to be recruiting a little bit more athlete instead of bull. We didn't talk about the Lavenders at all. Oh, no. Well, we've got one more football question, then we can talk about the Lavenders. (laughs) Oops. Last football question from Purple Powerhouse. Who are your offensive, defensive, and special teams MVPs for the regular season? Special teams is obviously Josh Youngblood. I mean, it's, he's an All-American. It's I tough mean, to say no. Blake Lynch only missed one. I want to say Blake Lynch is the thing. He was so damn good this year and made clutch kicks. Remember early in the season when they're muffing punts and I'm having a meltdown about special teams, and then they turn out to have as good a special teams as K-State's had in a long time? SpongeBob meme. K-State needs a special teams coach. <laughs> uh, yeah, like 1A, 1B, Josh Youngblood obviously has to be it. But I think, like, Blake Lynch deserves a lot of credit. And the punter will play yeah. in the NFL. He's a damn All-American. He can't not make it Josh Youngblood. Defensive was Wyatt Hubert, hands down. Well, sometimes he stands up. Well, his hands are always in the ground. No, sometimes he speed rushes from a standing position. Oh, I see what you're saying. Sorry. Misunderstood you. And offensive... Stuff. I'm going to say Dalton Schoen. I would say Dalton Schoen or, or Gilbert, just because if Gilbert hadn't been hurt, I'd probably go with him. But Schoen, Schoen's I think, been the rock, and it's hard not to argue Skyler. He's kind of kept the thing going. I think we overlook how many games K-State might have lost, you know, scoring driver two that doesn't happen if Dalton Schoen doesn't make a massive third down catch. So I'm going to go Dalton Schoen. Fair enough. The Lavenders, Lavenders are dope. They're amazing. So, They're incredible. So here's the problem is last year they did the the actual throwback to the lavender over purple, which if you ask the rewritten version of history was on purpose, and I know that it wasn't on yeah. purpose. Um, or at least I believe in my soul that was an accident, that they just put the wrong color code on the tops. And they came in that way, and it ended up being kind of a thing. We saw other schools do it. It kind of burned out because pastels in the 70s and 80s weren't as cool maybe as they are now. Teams wear pink now. You can get by with lavender. 
So I, I really liked the the lavender over purple because it's very traditional and has the wildcat head on it because it was a traditional throwback uniform. I think that's important to remember that in what I'm about to say. But you also now, because the NCAA is overbearing in other areas and ridiculous in other areas, some areas, you have to get a waiver to wear two-tone uniforms. I don't understand that. If you're if it's considered a dark uniform, it's a dark uniform. I don't get that. If it doesn't clash with your opponent, I don't get it. But anyhow, you do. You have to get a waiver, so it was kind of a problem. And you could not wear it in the postseason. There was no waiver available to wear it in the NCAA tournament. So I, I knew Bruce was going to do this. I, I think they did an incredible job of picking a nice shade of lavender. You can go to pink. You can go to purple. It's kind of got a little gray cast to it, just a little bit. It's very nice. It's a plot. What's that? Okay, nerd. nerd. Color nerd. I'm a font. Says the guy nerd. that criticizes fonts nonstop. Oh, no. I just think it's funny how Fitz can take color to a whole other detail. Yeah. Well, it is true, though. I, I see colors. He does. It's weird. Like, we've got two shades of lavender that I picked at different points in our... Guys, pain in the office was was a train wreck. <laughs> well, I mean, I have we've got like three different shades of purple, and here we got a we got two different shades of lavender that I use in different ways. One's almost a white, and one's more of a lavender, and that is in a wall in our lounge area. And I then matched it with my brain to a color on a sign, and it matches perfectly. So I see colors really well, but I like this color of lavender a lot. So I knew Bruce was probably just going to go with the shorts that matched it. And he didn't change anything on the shorts. He left the Wildcat head on there because it's still supposed to be a, what's, what's the word? A faux-back. Faux-back. It's not a real throwback. It's a fake version of the throwback. And I'm a big fan of the faux-back because the faux-back, F-A-U-X, is honoring your past without being a copy, a blueprint, a just a direct descendant of it. So that's why I think the Fighting Willie would be cool on a football helmet. It was never on the helmet, but it captures the era. And this captures the era of the 70s when they were wearing these. Um, and I love them. And now they can wear them. I hope the grays are gone. I think they are. I hope this replaces the grays. What I never. Well, under- they never rolled out a gray of the new uniforms. What? Yeah. What so. I don't understand about the grays was uh, they were considered a home uniform. But they were dark. <laughs> but they were really dark. And the lavenders last year were considered a road uniform, and they were lighter than the Especially dress. when Thomas Gibson wore them. <laughs> oh, my God. Thomas Gibson, sweaty Thomas, turned those things into black uniforms. They're Purple. awesome jerseys. And I, if you're one of the people that's upset that it doesn't have a power cat on it, take a deep breath. Relax. They're not going to wear them frequently. I bet they wear them two, maybe three times this year. And K-State's never going away from the Power Cat. And if they do go away from the Power Cat, they're not going back to an old an old logo. They would they would come up with something new. So it's honor the past, and that's why they don't have the Power Cat on them. Now, I would have been fine if they put the Power Cat on them. I really would have. Kind of tying. Yeah, I would have been okay with it, but I'm not mad that it's not. Right. Like, exactly. I like both of them. I I think they're cool. Um, they Jack, are. You they look are. like you have a controvert. No, I just wanted to say that it it looks like. Or like using making a new uniform out of an old uniform is kind of like taking a a true story and making your own movie about it. You can change some details. It's true. <laughs> it's like The Blind Side. Yeah, that wasn't a documentary. <laughs> Facts have been changed in this story. Mom wasn't this hot. What? <laughs> And you know what? These uniforms are hot. These are Sandra Bullock, Inner Prime, hot uniforms. That's it for the first half of the Powercat Questions podcast. We'll be back with football on the other side. We're sponsored by The Fridge. Stay locked in. The Powercat Podcast will be right back. We now send it back to Fitz in the WTC gig-powered studios. Welcome back to the PowerCat Questions podcast. Normally it appears Wednesdays at gopowercat.com. This week it popped up a little bit early on the page, on your players, on your whatever you're using. 
Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star rating, please. Five stars. In honor of football recruiting, give it a five-star. I haven't checked that in a while. I'm going to need to go get some more uh, review graphics. Oh, yeah, we kind of slipped up on that. Well, you know, the season happened, and things got crazy. There is only one five-star liquor store in the state of Kansas. It's the Fridge Wholesale Liquor in Manhattan, Kansas. If you want a five-star part of your team, buy your booze at the Fridge. Yeah, pretty good, pretty good read. That almost sound like a real thing. This segment sponsored by the Miracle on Morrow, a.k.a. the High-Low. I kind of I kind of got to get some lunch, and I kind of was thinking about that. I'm not sure they're open for the lunch this time of year. What? It's finals know. week. I'm not sure. they. I was a little confused by the Miracle on Morrow time. It almost sounds like they're just a nighttime bar right now. Google says they're open. Well, Google might be wrong. They might not have told Google they're changing. We can do that. We can do that. That sounds really good. We can go down there, and if they're not open, I know some other places. Yeah. Yeah. Mmm, that sounds good, pizza. I don't know. Anyhow, uh, we're in the WTC Geek Powered Studios. We just handled basketball, and might I say we were brilliant. I thought we were, f- we were very fair in our assessment without being overly critical. We didn't use the word suck once. Well, did I? No. Oh, I okay. So. I'm not, not going to go back and check. Hey, hey, go back and check. See if we use the word suck. I don't think we did. There we go. We moved on to football. We talked about the Lavender uniforms, which nobody asked about, which I found a little bit surprising. I like him. Riley likes him. Zach likes him. Yeah. Wally does not. Wally does not. You'll hear plenty from Wally tomorrow because tomorrow is signing day for football. Early signing period has arrived, and boy, it's going to be fun, and it's going to be weird because they're going to be basically done. They will have a few slots to fill late, but that might come through transfers or other things. I'll be in here at 645. And it's not, you know, people call it signing day, but it's actually a signing period. So you don't have to sign on Wednesday. I think you've got a month, I believe. You have three days. It's not a month. You have till the Friday. It's a, it's just three-day period? 18, 19. That's totally yeah. different, I guess, being the new signing period. Yeah. It's a week in basketball. It's not a month. It should be a year. Signing year. <laughs> just whenever you want. Just sign whenever you want. We don't care. Probably should be. If you sign after this date, you're in the next class. <laughs> <laughs> you want you want to come two years early? All right, go ahead. We'll be all over it sign tomorrow. Creators Wednesdays. Uh, yeah, no, let's not go there. People are beginning to evaluate players way too soon. Here's, I saw somebody. Here's too. our top players. K State's recruiting in the 2027 class. Dude, I legit saw someone the other day. I was like. School X was in to see 2025 prospects, and I was like, hold the phone. That shouldn't be legal. What in the world? You should not be able to talk to a kid that young. It's just nuts. Would that be an eighth grader currently? Be a seventh grader. That's insane, dude. You shouldn't be able to make contact with a kid that young unless it's a camp. God. Just ridiculous. And if you're wasting your time... On a junior high recruit? I take it was basketball? Yeah. Yeah, because they've got plenty of time. They've wrapped up their class. They're probably pretty good on the next class. That's really what's going on is after this group Sorry, signs. Sorry, let me specify. It was not K-State. <laughs> after this group signs in football, they, they're really going to be locked in on 21, which they have been. I mean, we've seen some commitments from 21, but that'll start moving pretty quickly. Again, it's a whole new world. They're attacking this thing totally differently. They'll hang on to some scholarships. That is similar to what Bill Snyder did. But I think, uh, oddly, I think a running back transfer is also on the possibility. I think it could be on the radar. I don't think it's going to happen. I agree with that. It's got to be the right guy. And last year, they were fortunate enough to find the right guy twice. Well, one of them, James Gilbert, was apparently going to North Dakota State. Which we found out later. Oh, really? Yeah. I missed that. Yeah, he dropped that in a, a press conference. Yeah, and talked to Coach. I was probably going to North Dakota State. I'm like, what? 
That's a pretty good get for North Dakota State. He would have really torn up FBS. Him and Trey Lance at quarterback, I mean, they're already deadly enough this year, but they would have been insane. So I think that they find the right guy, and really it's about fit. I mean, you're not going to – they did such a good job of finding two guys that fit the system and the locker room. They're not going to bring someone in who thinks he's better than everyone else because they were at another school and – think just because they were out of school, they're superior to the players you currently have on the roster. That's never a good thing. And, and, um, so yeah, uh, they'll, they'll find the right guy. Interesting question was posed. Would they take, go with me on this. Would they take a grad transfer at quarterback? Just in case. At quarterback? I don't think so. I think, number one, if you're getting a grad transfer, they're playing. I think, number two, they feel very comfortable with what they have. I think they probably like uh, having Jaron Wilson there. Lewis. Why did I say Wilson? I don't know. Because you were thinking of the volleyball and the Tom Hanks movie. Whoa. That was the weirdest brain fart ever. (laughs) Hey, welcome to my daily brain. (laughs) Oh, man. Okay. Welcome to my daily brain. Let's That's what radiation brain feels like right there. Let's talk about the Liberty Bowl. Onward That's- we go with your questions with Wab from Wabash Station. From Exhausted Nihilist, how big of a challenge is Malcolm Perry going to be? He's a challenge. He's a slippery little it's sucker. going to be a small challenge. <laughs> he's a slippery little sucker. Uh, he's really good at what he does. Um, they cut block the hell out of you. There's some elements when you watch them. You're like, hey, that's K-State play. Hey, that's a K-State play. And so I think uh, it'll be one of the part of the uh, press conference Wednesday with Coach Kleiman. The second half will be kind of a Liberty Bowl thing. The first half will be recruiting and then Liberty Bowl. And then we will later in the day have Hank Jacobs and Taylor Bratt in the studios to talk about recruiting. Um, how much of it does translate to what they do? How much does it translate to what they've seen in the past, be it the FBS or Mountain West? So, uh, but man, he's good. He's just got that that thing when he runs the ball that you can't quite get a hold of him, and you think you got him squared up, and then you don't even touch him. And it's it's special to watch him. But like I said on the Insiders podcast, I'm watching him against Army, and Army was okay this year, but. They just have a different level of athlete. He's just a slippery guy that you're not going to be able to just go up and smack. I mean, you can't you can't go in looking for the highlight play. You know, the you're you're gonna you're gonna whiff. You're gonna end up on his highlight film if you do that. You got to just go down to the basics. You know, form tackle, break down, open field tackle, whatever it might be, and just and, and you can't let him get away from you because I think even if he was you know. If he's me to you right now, Fitz, he's, he, he has the ability to slip around. And in case you guys aren't aware, I'm only four feet from Fitz. Yeah. They won 31-7. to seven. It was actually a fairly good game for the first half. It's because the first half was over in five se- seconds. No so. doubt. Malcolm Perry carried the ball 29 times. We're talking about their quarterback, by the way. 29 times for a total of 304 yards, 10.5 yards a carry. And he threw it? Zero times. Yep. They yep. threw one pass by Chance Warren, and when they throw, that's kind of what they throw at Chance. But they do a nice job when they do throw of, uh, you know, they didn't have to throw. They were running the ball so effectively, they didn't need to throw the ball. But kind of like K-State, they lull you to sleep on the back end, and they'll slip a running back or someone. Being recruited at, as a wide receiver to one of these academies is an insult. That, I mean, it's kind of like getting play right field in Little League. Don't screw up what we ask you to do, but don't do too much. He's good. He's going to be a headache, and uh, it's a it's a nice matchup. What I found most telling about him, even when tackled, you don't square him up. You don't hurt him. You don't. He does a great job of stepping out of bounds, of getting out of the way, avoiding direct contact. That's how you can carry the ball 30 times and survive. I made this comparison on the Insiders podcast It's because it's the best one I can come up with. He reminds me carrying the ball of Puka Williams. 
You get him in space and you don't get him down quickly, you got big problems. If you let him run around, you got big problems. You're trying to chase a chicken, you know, if you've ever tried to do that. You ever tried to do that? Chase, chase a chicken? Chase a chicken? In Beloit? I'm just trying to think. No. We did an activity at school one day, but it was pigs, not chickens. You chased pigs. It was school. the last day of school. We were doing fun things, and, like, it was like an ob- or a, not an obstacle course, <sighs> relay race or something, and you had to, like, one of the things was to pick up a soaped-up pig because we couldn't grease pigs, obviously. That seems... Dump a bunch of dish soap on them, and huh. they were slippery little suckers. You ever did that at Manhattan High? No. Are we talking about the overtime? Because this is definitely an overtime question. No, sorry. No, it's not. Pranks? Oh, that was a prank. This wasn't a prank. This was a real thing. (laughs) I think we did it for fun. Hmm. You didn't chase? We didn't chase pigs around. Did you, like, was your enjoyment watching the resource officer chase the meth dealer around? Not in Manhattan. Come on now. Whatever. Whatever. We know what the truth about Manhattan High. I didn't go to a different high school in uh, the area. Malcolm Perry's really good. Yeah, yeah, we got into that. I brought it all back. <laughs> uh, from Smitty5825, new member, welcome. It's clear that we might struggle with Navy's rushing attack, but how well will they be able to handle ours, especially with a bigger O-line? That's a valid point. I think we saw a team like Notre Dame just kind of establish their will against Navy, and I think it's important to do that from the get-go. That's, I don't want to make light of what they can do in the running game. Obviously, it's very good, but K-State's a pretty damn good running team, too. Yeah. I mean, I, I, th- I feel like we're looking at this and we're forgetting that at the end of the day, K-State has power five athletes. K-State beat Oklahoma. K-State has physical guys up front. I mean, it's almost like... Everybody talked about the triple option so much that people just kind of thought, oh, yeah, well, it might be over now because I don't know if we can stop triple option. I I think K-State can assert its will. Navy has to get the ball back, too. I mean, K-State's going to try to find a way to control that possession, too. They're both going to want to do that. Somebody's going to have the ball. Why can't it be K-State for nine minutes of a drive? And I think that they have the ability to establish a running game and, and sustain that success in the running game. Equally to, if not better than Navy. Yeah, like he said. From Fervent Purple, what do you think about Navy's offense versus Coach Hazleton with three weeks to prep? I like it. I like it a lot. Scotty Hazleton is good at what he does in one-week spans. Can you imagine? And he played, and when he was at Wyoming, he played Air Force. I mean, he saw this offense. He knew what it was to prep for this on short, short turnarounds, and he's, you know... I've mentioned this before. This offense is more prevalent at the FCS level because what it is is an offense that you use when you don't have the big dudes. You don't have the superior athletes. You turn this into a game about positioning. You know, you don't block as much as you take the legs out or you screen. That's why you see it a lot at high school. I mean, a lot of high school dynasties have been built on a similar offense because then as a kid, you learn how to do this and this and this and do it over and over and over. And you get the one special guy like a Malcolm Perry in the backfield who can hide the ball and run the ball and, you know, be such a threat and so elusive. It's almost like a magician back there at times running this offense. You get that guy and a bunch of guys that can cut block and never miss assignments. Oh, man, you're going to win a lot of games. I just feel good about the fact that I think Scotty Hazleton is is a proven coach, and he has more time to figure out. and And I'm I don't want to I don't want to simplify what they do, but at the end of the day, it really is kind of one thing. You know, it's a bunch of options off one thing. Mm-hmm. That's why it's called the triple option. And and the key to it, as any option, is. Don't fall for the ball fakes. Exactly. Everyone has an assignment. Don't abandon your assignment because you think the ball in that split second is going somewhere else. Have faith in your coworker that they're going to do what they're supposed to do. And if everyone does their assignments, every part of the options covered, unless they do an incredible job blocking and they take someone out and 
So really, if you can handle cut blocks and you know not fall for the magic, you're going to be okay. And I, having the added time to prepare for that is a big assist. From GCKSU Rules, Coach Kleiman said coaching staff would begin preparation for Navy after spending uh, the week recruiting. Is that good, bad, or okay for as unique of an offense that Navy runs? Oh, you got time. Yes, they've probably focused a lot on recruiting recently, but it's not like they literally haven't popped one Navy film in. Well, the coaches may have. Yeah. And they're out recruiting, and they're probably looking at some film. And, I mean, they're doing their thing. And the players were weren't just off. They were turned over to the strength and conditioning staff and the training staff and to try to get them healthier and keep them in shape and, you know, get over all the nagging injuries you pile up after playing. How many games in a row? Seven? Eight? Yeah. Ninety? I'm trying to think. Three, two, break a two, five. Yeah, seven. Seven. Man, that was cool. I just did math on the podcast. There we go. But we're making progress here. They 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 know what they're. I mean, they have a, a game plan established. They they're going to come in with notes and a scout for these guys. They'll be they'll be prepared. I, I'm very confident in that. From claws out, balls out. Love it. Did I say that last week? Yeah. Okay. Love it. What one player on offense and defense will be the X factor in our bull matchup? On D, and I don't mean to hop on on the Wyatt Hubert praise that we gave earlier in the podcast, but it's like Co Wyatt Hubert and Reggie Walker in terms of those defensive ends. Got to you know the, the, that's who you're attacking right. a lot of in, in the option. You're attacking the defensive ends. Well, if a Trey Deshaun gets around a cut block, that too. If a defensive tackle gets through quickly, the play's done. I mean, they just. It's done. I mean, he's in the middle all of a sudden of everything you're trying to, you know, the theatrics you're trying to stage. <clears throat> so, yeah, the D-line's just got to be good. But I would say Wyatt Hubert because he can just run around and tackle everyone. Just tackle them all, Wyatt. That's good. On offense, hmm. I don't know. Adam Holter. If you get that point of attack block, K-State's going to run the ball. It's fair. It's a good point. And really, oh, guys, this is going to be great. This is going to be the kind of football game I've always aspired to cover. We're going to be out what, of there. What time's kickoff? 2.45. We will be done covering this football game around 5. We'll be in a press conference 15. before 5 p.m., I think. No, not before 5. No. Well, before 5.30. Mm, There's so much. So much of the game is... Immediate timeout. We don't want a timeout. Why are you blaming us for this? Here's <laughs> this your is... halftime Scotty McCreary spectacular. Scotty oh. McCreary on ice. It's probably going to be a longer halftime, isn't it? They always probably are. not. They always are. Are they? Bowl games, I think, get an extra 10 minutes. This is the end of whatever that was. The third quarter. Reggie hey, it's an lost. ACC crew. Come yeah. On. Reggie on. won't be there. Looks like they had a good crew. Look like okay. Only at twenty four seven do we cover the crew. Bring you everything. Yeah, a little bit of everything. From Powercat Ryan, with the extra time to prepare and self scout, are there any wrinkles from Messingham's offense at North Dakota State that we haven't seen yet that you expect to see in Memphis? I feel like we could see a lot of that three running back thing. Yeah. Maybe or, like been holding it back for a little bit. Or as I mentioned on the board, the the best Snydered I got in the last 11 years was when Coach Kleiman convinced us all that the running backs were playing at KU and then they didn't play. Yeah. that He totally Bill Snydered us. He might Bill Snyder this and say, we're not going to do anything new in this game. We're just going to save it for next year. Could see that. But the three running backs. And it's not necessarily hiding it. It's the fact that they've been not healthy. It's tough to run that when they're not healthy. Right. And and the question becomes, in this extra time to prepare, do the young guys get more involved in that? So, yeah. I don't know. Maybe they will. But they will be healthier, so we might see that. That'd be great, because if they're just running the ball, running the ball, running the ball, Riley might be in that press conference by five. I wouldn't hate it. Don't stop the clock with a damn incomplete pass. Just don't throw the ball. Let's just run the thing. You, jet sweep. Give jet sweeps to every receiver so that they can have a touch let's call it good first down shouldn't stop the clock it should be like the nfl 
Although I would think that K-State's receivers could do well against the Navy defense. I think so, too. I think we could see K-State throw the ball. Yeah. I mean, the clock starts once the ball is set. It doesn't really stop. Well, it doesn't really stop because the chains are never set because the offenses nowadays move so damn fast. But the rule is the, the clock does not start until the chains are set. That's what the rule is. They just don't abide by it. The problem is the NCAA is not getting enough quality athletes at the chain-setting spot. There are a bunch of old dudes like me. Clarence, slow down! But I think that they should, I think the NFL and college should get on the same page there. Do one or the other. Either stop the clock or don't. From Itain BB, with a month removed since last game, how healthy are we on the 31st of December? I got to imagine a guy like James Gilbert is 110%. I mean, if he if he didn't have a broken bone or a torn muscle or anything like that, he wouldn't have been on the field at all. Yeah, I imagine he just had a stretch ligament. Yeah, so time Sprained off on that. ACL or something. Basically, everybody not named Eric Gallen, Adam Harder, Justin Hughes, these guys that had the season-ending injuries. A.J. Parker's probably the – we don't know. We'll probably find out, I guess, tomorrow at the press conference. But yeah, we haven't had a press conference, folks. Oh. I doubt A.J. Parker plays. Because he had surgery after the KU game. Yeah, I, I would doubt it, too. It just that seems to really push it for the Liberty Bowl. Yeah. Yeah. So Let's not get him hurt again. Let's have him available in spring football so he's all shiny and new for 2019, 2020, 2020. What happened? How did we get to 2020? I don't know. My computer still works. I don't understand. It was supposed to stop working 20 years ago. <laughs> yeah. Now you have a new one, so maybe it did stop working. 2K37 is the new problem. Is it? What? Yeah, there's a some coding thing. That's 2037, there's a... Hopefully I'm dead by then. You. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just... It's a joke. <laughs> Man, I'm telling you what, if I'm around to face that, I have beaten the odds <laughs> yeah. big time. <laughs> From... KSU number one, last question of the podcast. Do you believe K-State is an underdog to Navy? No. Absolutely not. No. I think they are, though. Like, are they really? I think Navy had was a two-point favorite, weren't they? K-State was. Why don't you look I that think up? There's a bunch of books that have it one way and a bunch of books that have it the they other. They don't know what to do with this game. And, and let's be honest, it's not really about who's favorite. They're just trying to balance the money. Yeah. They're trying to... And it's a couple points. I don't know. Do... Maybe Navy, maybe all those officers that went through the Naval Academy are actually sports gamblers too, as a hobby. And there's a lot of money moving on the academies. According Don't to know. according to CBSSports.com, which got the lines from. Okay, maybe they just set them. No, excuse me. It says sports line. Kansas State is a two and a half point underdog. Is it treason for a member of the military? To bet against a military academy should be. I'm excited, man. I watching that game more closely, and I, even though I was at a Christmas party and I couldn't watch as close as I wanted, just the whole thing of that Army Navy game. God, I'd love to go to it. I would l- love that to be the final chapter of my 15 Saturdays, 16 Saturdays book. I'd love to write. You go to the greatest game or the greatest venue every week. They're lucky that one of the teams is usually pretty good because if they were both like four and eight coming or four and seven coming in that game, it <laughs> wouldn't be very fun what to do you watch. Mean both of the teams being good, you mean Navy, right? Well, Army went through that the stretch a couple of years ago where they were ranked. Yeah, they were. They were Army had won the last three. Yeah, or Army was on a winning streak coming into this one. But for the last twenty years, yeah, Navy fair. has dominated. Did you guys see how Trump flipped the coin? No, no, I don't mean it as a dig at Trump or anything, but it's so weird. He's like holding it in his hand and he just kind of threw it. He didn't like flip it with his thumb or anything. He's just like, boop. I grew up a rich. I was kid. like, did that really flip, or did he just kind of toss the coin out there? I didn't ever flip a coin as a kid. <laughs> I only had paper money. <laughs> only new I, bills. I don't they know. Handed, they handed Trump the coin and he said, "What is this? What is this thing?" 
What is this piece of metal? <laughs> is this a president on this coin? And how do I get to be how one? Do I, I would like to be on the coin. You make a new coin. It'd be a great coin. The greatest coin of any of them. It'd be the worth the most. Oh, boy. Oh, we just went political. <laughs> but in a fun way. We joke. We joke. Nothing I said was inaccurate. <laughs> we joke. He, Riley does a pretty good Trump. That's very humorous. And he'll also, he might vote for him. Yeah. Why not? Yeah. Oh, boy. (laughs) That's it for the Pyrocat Questions podcast. Some of you now hate us. That's all right. We're used to it. We'll talk to you real soon. As I mentioned, two recruiting podcasts coming up on Wednesday at GoPyrocat.com. Tune in for that. Do you tune in anymore, Zach? To what? To a podcast. You don't really tune in. I mean, you don't have you hit download. You don't have to move any dials. Lock in, download, do whatever you crazy kids do, and do it well. You've been listening to the Power Cat Questions podcast, presented by Fridge Wholesale Liquor. Power Cat Podcast. All rights reserved. GoPowerCat.com and Spirit Street Publishing.